greetings, everybody, from myself and the birthday girl there. <laughs> Today's reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my spirit servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise Thanks to Christ, Christ the word. Well, friends, uh, a very good morning. It's great to be with you. Uh, it was lovely to see a number of faces again in the uh, in the videos. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I'm sorry if that it's a hard day for you, either because Mother's Day is hard or uh, because you're separated from a mother or uh, from a, a child. That was really uh, hard to hear what Robin said. Uh, it's wonderful that we can gather uh, this morning. I'm particularly uh, glad uh, to be with you. I had uh, a feeling last night I might not be with you. Uh, Charlie had a very sudden contraction. She's not due for three weeks and all the other kids have been late, but there was a moment of panic. And I nearly came into my study where I am now and recorded uh, this sermon so that uh, if I was in hospital uh, with Charlie, then uh, you'd still have a sermon. But uh, I'm here. Uh, the baby's not. And we wait on. In the same way, we, we I guess, are waiting for news about the lockdown, aren't we? We know it's going to happen at some point. Uh, we wonder when will it happen? We'll go down to level two and eventually uh, the lockdown will be eased even further uh, next week. Jay is going to give an announcement in the service uh, about what level two will look like uh, for St. Stephen's and for our practices. Uh, hopefully we'll be in level two by then, but we don't know. Uh, and if not, we'll be we're planning ahead for that time that we know is coming, uh, but we don't know quite yet. Be good, good to be praying for our leaders at this time as they make uh, decisions. Well, this morning uh, we're picking up a new series in Matthew. And before we jump into the passage that uh, Ian just read so well for us, let me pray and ask for God's help. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us through your word. 
and we praise you that you're a God who's for us. Thank you for the words we just sang, that uh, Jesus gave his life as a ransom for us, that we, why should we gain a reward from his suffering? But we thank you that that is the case. And so we plead, speak to each one of us in our various places around the country and around the world this morning as we hear your voice. We pray that you give us ears to listen and hearts that long to obey. For Jesus' sake, amen. A couple of weeks ago on the live chat that uh, some of you can see on, on the right of the, uh, the, the video now, uh, somebody asked this or somebody said this, if God wanted us to know him, surely he'd have revealed himself more clearly. It's a kind of common thing that people say. Well, the Bible says that God stepped into this world as a human and that as we look at Jesus, we see what God is like. We're going to spend the next few weeks in Matthew chapter 8 to 10. And the heading of this series is uh, when God stepped in, dot, dot, dot. And we're going to see some of the things that uh, as we look at Jesus, we learn about God. I think as we look at as we go through this series, there are going to be some things that we're going to think are wonderful. That's just what I imagined and hoped God would be like. But there are going to be other things that are challenging. Jesus priorities, God's priorities are not ours. Things that are important to me don't seem to be important to him and things that are not so important to me are important to him. It's going to be confronting. Well, our title today is when God stepped in, he exercised authority over sickness. And we see two wonderful healings. But we also have some words that seem harsh, seem out of place. And we need to wrestle with that, too. It's confronting. Let me just tell you the context. Uh, Jay left us at the end of chapter four last week. In, the, in between chapter four and now, Jesus has gone up and given the Sermon on the Mount. And we see in verse one here, Jesus is returning from the mountain. He comes back down and there's a large crowd with him and he's on his way to Capernaum and a, a leper appears. This leper probably lives in the wilderness between the mountain and Capernaum. And he falls down and kneels before Jesus. And he says, verse two, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. It's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? He assumes it's implicit in what he says that Jesus has the power and authority to heal him. But the question is, are you willing? Well, we wonder why would Jesus not be willing? Well, in order to understand that, we need to understand something about leprosy, because uh, leprosy is a disease that separates. It's a common uh, thing in the Bible. It doesn't just mean what we would medically call leprosy. It covers a range of skin diseases. But the common factor is it separates people from society. It cuts them off from uh, other people and from the religious world. They become outcasts. Now, we read a lot about lepers. But until recently, I'd never really been able to think myself into the shoes of a leper. But when you think about it, here's a guy with a heavily contagious disease that people don't understand and they're scared of. He's forced to live in quarantine. He's forced to practice social isolation and others are scared of him. Quite possibly he's a little bit scared of himself. He doesn't want to pass this disease on to loved ones. I thank God for a number of essential workers at St Stephen's at the moment. And I don't know whether you've experienced this, but from things I've read in the paper, 
it would seem that some who are, are frontline workers have been kind of avoided by others in society. You're working in a place where the disease is, and so we avoid you. Now, I hope you haven't experienced that, but it wouldn't be surprising if you had. I do know that some who come back from hospitals and supermarkets are worried about uh, being back in their home. What if they bring uh, COVID-19 into their family? Now, the parallels break down in a number of ways, but that, that scene of isolation and fear is something that you can imagine would be in the mind of this leper as he kneels down before Jesus. Jesus, are you willing to help someone no one else wants to be near? Are you willing to help an outcast? Are you willing to help somebody like me? And what Jesus says is wonderful. I am willing. And the first thing we see in these stories, the first thing we see when God comes down is God's loving willingness to help his creatures. God's loving willingness to help his creatures. He doesn't just say, I'm willing. Look at verse three. Jesus touches the leper and, and Matthew labors the point. He doesn't just say Jesus touches him. He says Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him. He labors it. What a tender picture that is. Since this man's diagnosis, no one had touched him. He'd been kissed by no one. He'd hugged no one. He'd lived on his own in the wilderness, far from others. If we felt isolated these past few weeks, imagine what this man feels like. And then Jesus comes and in an instant he heals him. He touches him. It's such a tender and powerful picture, isn't it? And this is what our God is like, a God who who shows loving willingness to help his creatures. But with that touch, with the word be clean, he's healed instantly. It's remarkable. Well, Jesus then tells him to go off to the priests. And the reason for that is uh, that uh, somebody who recovered from leprosy was to go through a number of uh, rituals and then having completed that they were able to return to society equivalent today i guess of having a swab that proves you're you're no longer contagious well off he goes and we see here god's willingness to help his creatures but it leaves a lurking question doesn't it if when god stepped in he was willing to heal like this is he willing to heal like this today for many, it's not a hypothetical question. It's a personal and painful one. And we are going to come back to that. It's a really important question. We will wrestle with it, but we'll just look at the next healing first. The first healing shows God's willingness. The second puts in sharp focus God's power to heal, Jesus' power to heal. Jesus carries on into Capernaum. And then we see verse six, uh, a centurion comes to him. He says, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed in terrible suffering. Jesus says, I will go and heal him. And the man's response is remarkable. Lord, I don't deserve for you to come under my roof. Now, this man's a centurion. He's a commander of 100 people. He's part of the Roman occupying force. And he says to Jesus, son of a carpenter, a lowly person of the occupied people, I am not worthy to come under your roof. But what he says next is even more remarkable. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Because 
verse 9, I get how power and authority work. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell one uh, go and he goes. I tell one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. I get how authority works. And I'm just a centurion. You, Jesus, are God stepped in. You don't need to come to my house. Just say the word. What a remarkable thing to say. And we see that this man grasps something deeply profound about Jesus. And Jesus is astonished. Verse 10, he said to the crowd with him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, if you're one of the crowd, you can imagine that's quite affronting. We've followed you all around and don't we have faith like him? But what he goes on to say, what Jesus goes on to say is even more shocking. Many foreigners come in, will come in from the east and the west to eat at God's table in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom, that is the people of Israel, will be thrown out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I hope you can feel the gear change there. The atmosphere has changed. And it's such a contrast to Jesus who a few moments ago in love reached out his hand to that untouchable leper. Why now is he saying these words that sound judgmental, that sound harsh? Well, we need to wrestle with that, too. But before we do, let's just finish this encounter. Verse 13. Having heard the centurion's faith, Jesus says, go, it will be done for you just as you believed it would. And we read at that moment, the servant was healed. There's a guy somewhere elsewhere in the city and he's lying on his bed in agony and Jesus says a word and he's healed and we see in sharp focus Jesus extraordinary power to heal and this just helps us to see that Jesus healing is not some kind of trick it's not that he he overwhelms people with his persona and they in, in an act of kind of positivity get up from their sick beds no, Jesus is in a in a different place in the city. He never meets this man. And yet he says a word and in a place, the other side of the city, a healing happens. When God steps in, it's wonderful. But it brings us full circle. We've seen when Jesus was on earth, he was willing to heal. He was able to heal. But is God like that now? It's a massive question, isn't it? How many hundreds of thousands of people have died from the coronavirus around the world? A number of us have prayed or are praying for loved ones who are terminally ill or who have died. And if Jesus has that power, if he's willing, why do we not see more healings? Is it that Jesus isn't willing? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And what we see in these two encounters is typical of many encounters in the Bible. People come and ask for healing from Jesus and he's willing. Now, he doesn't heal everyone. There are many people, no doubt, at the time who were sick who weren't healed. But those who come to him, he seems willing to heal. Well, if it's not a question of his willingness, is it a question of his power? Does Jesus still have the same power? Well, I think the story of the centurion makes it clear even though Jesus isn't physically present with us, his word is powerful. And the Bible tells us by the power of his word, he is sustaining the world. 
His word is powerful. He still has the power. So if that's the case, why do we not see more healings? Well, I think the answer is, and this is the third thing we see in this passage, God's perspective is different. When God steps in, he shows us his perspective is different because God's perspective is eternity. And actually, these strong words, these unexpected words of Jesus help us to see that. Last week, when we were in chapter four, we considered Jesus saying he was calling people to repent. That is to turn from their sin and follow him. He was announcing that the kingdom of heaven was near. And these healings are wonderful in and of themselves, but they are signposts. They point beyond themselves to show us what the kingdom of heaven is like. And it shows us the kingdom of heaven is a wonderful place. It's a place where there is no more sickness. It's a place where there is no more grief, where there is no more pain, where there is no more suffering. It's a place where those who are excluded, either because of sickness or because of society's prejudice or in the case of the Roman, because of their race, where people are not excluded, all are welcomed. It's a wonderful place. It's the world as it should be. The world as God designed it in the beginning. But as Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is near. He means near. He doesn't say the kingdom of heaven is here. It's near, but not here yet. And we see it in part, but we'll only see it fully when Jesus returns. And so Jesus' greatest concern is for people to be ready to enter the kingdom of heaven. He's not concerned primarily with temporal health now, with momentary happiness in this life. No, he's concerned that people, all people can experience total eternal transformation total eternal healing in the kingdom of heaven and we see that in what he says when jesus admires the centurion's faith he says this verse 11 i say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with abraham isaac and jacob in the kingdom of heaven but see what he doesn't say he doesn't say centurion your faith is remarkable and many other Romans will experience great healings. He doesn't say your faith is remarkable and many Gentiles will come and they will live long lives and then die happily in their beds in an old age. No, he says those who have faith will take a place at the feast in the kingdom of heaven in paradise. And Jesus shows us God's ability to fix things, his willingness to do it. But he's not going to just put a plaster on the problem. He's not giving a quick fix solution. He's going to fix this world fully and finally. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. That's his great concern. His perspective is eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, in some ways, that can sound like a cop out. I want healing now. My friend is sick and I want to pray for him and have healing now. But when you think about it, the leper was wonderfully healed. He went to the priest, no doubt. He then, I imagine, returned to society. Perhaps he returned to his family. He enjoyed life for many years, maybe. But then one day he died. 
the centurion's servant rose from his bed. No doubt he got back to his business serving that family. Maybe one day he married and had a family of his own. But then one day he returned to his sickbed and he knew the agony of death. But for those who sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob at God's table in the kingdom of heaven, they will never experience pain again. They will never experience death again. Rather, they experience eternal bliss at the right hand of God in his presence. Maybe there are people we've prayed for and we longed that God would heal them, but they died. They died trusting in Christ. Well, this reassures us. This reminds us that Jesus is willing and able to heal them, but heal them in the kingdom of heaven. That Though we'd long to see that loved one now, we can't see them now, but we will one day see them. And that now they are in paradise. That though we grieve and we long to see them, they await for us in paradise with their king. Now, of course, Jesus is able to heal people now. And it's right that we pray for those who are sick. And, and sometimes, maybe often, he does heal people, but he never promises to heal people in this world. And that's so important. I said at the beginning that Jesus' words are challenging. Seeing God in, in person is challenging. And it's challenging because I want that blessing now. I want to be able to point at this book and say, God promises healing now. But he doesn't because God's perspective is different. And friends, that's so important because sometimes we muddle this up. Sometimes, tragically, preachers muddle this up. There was somebody I knew and their wife was very ill with cancer. And the doctors did everything they could. And they said, oh, we're so sorry, it's terminal. And they went to many prayer meetings and many people prayed over her. They went to healing prayer meetings. And at one of these, uh, somebody prophesied over her that she would be healed. And for a few weeks, there was joy and, and there was a sense of lightness and and maybe she made something of a recovery. But then she died. And the shock of her death was even more shocking because of the hope that they'd had. And they hadn't been able to grieve because to grieve was to have a lack of faith. And so they didn't say goodbye properly. And it was absolutely devastating. And a friend of mine said, if that guy who'd had that prophecy had said that in the Old Testament, he'd have been stoned. Because in the Old Testament, those who falsely spoke the word of God were stoned. It's a serious thing to do. Well, God has a great promise here. All those who come in faith to Jesus will be healed. But this perspective is eternity. And there is no promise of healing now. Don't let people deceive you. Because Jesus' concern is for the future banquet. Which is why as Christians, though we do long to relieve sickness, we long for poverty on earth to be reduced. We long to relieve suffering. We should long more to bring people to their king, to tell them the gospel, that we might be able to relieve eternal suffering as people come to King Jesus. And friends, as we see how Jesus' perspective is different, it helps us to understand why these words are so strong. 
while we might even think these words are harsh, they're strong because what Jesus says is so important. It's a loving warning. Just look again as we finish at verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his, uh, sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. When uh, I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Many foreigners, non-Jews will be welcomed, but the subjects of the kingdom, that is to say the people of Israel who are waiting for the Messiah, they will be thrown outside. Why? Because they don't believe like the centurion. Rather, they reject the king. They rebel against the king. They refuse the king. And Jesus says, if you do that, if you refuse the king, you will be thrown outside of the kingdom. You will not get your place at the banquet. And what's it like outside? It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. The idea of gnashing of teeth, it's a sign of regret. As people see what they missed out on, they're so frustrated. And just notice, this isn't Jesus saying this to scare people into the kingdom. He's saying it to people who think that they're in the kingdom, but actually who are rejecting him. And he's saying, don't miss out. It's a loving warning. I take it there'll be a time when this lockdown finishes and Christchurch will return to some kind of normal. I wonder what it is you'll do when that day happens. Imagine there's some of us who are waiting to go to a sports match or a concert. Well, imagine you book your ticket for the concert and the day comes and you are able to go out freely into the streets and, and join the queue to get into the, into the concert hall. And you can hear the band warming up and, and you're so thrilled. And even queuing up is fun because you can queue up jostling with people. You don't have to keep two metres apart. And it's wonderful. And you're there with your friends and the queue's going forward and, and you can hear the band getting warmed up. And you, you, you get to the front of the queue and the ticket attendant says, can I have your ticket? And you, you look for it and you know you bought it but you didn't print it out and you don't have it. And they say, stand aside, please. And your friends go in and everyone else goes in and the doors shut and you can hear the band playing inside and you can't help but weep. You can't help but in frustration gnash your teeth because that thing that's so good you long to be part of, you've missed out. Well, friends, that's a tiny illustration of what that day will be like for many. And Jesus says it because he loves every person and he longs that no one would do that. He longs that all would come to him in faith and have a place at the banquet. I don't know if you've been able to do your daily exercise during this lockdown period. To be quite honest, I think I've put on a good few pounds. I've become a bit of a fat blob. On our days off, we've, we've gone for a walk, but otherwise I've hardly done any exercise. But on our days off, we have gone for a walk. And uh, one of the things I've noticed walking around the streets here is there seem to be lots of dog muck on the pavements. And I don't know what it is about dogs and lockdown and dog muck. But while we're walking around, our kids seem to have this kind of propensity to walk towards the dog muck. And so we're kind of watching and a little foot looks like it's going to step in and stop. And maybe it sounds like there's a tone of irritation in my voice because I don't want them to stand in that. It, it creates a mess and someone has to clean it up. 
But a few weeks ago, we were on our way to um, the, the little uh, river by us. And um, the kids were not walking this time, they were cycling. Uh, we were walking along and one of them whizzed on ahead and got to the main road. And uh, it looked like they weren't going to stop. And I shouted, stop! And anyone else on the road would look around and thought, who's that angry man? If you'd have been living in one of the houses nearby and your window was open, you'd have thought that a nutcase was on the street full of anger. But it wasn't that I was trying to be angry. Of course it wasn't. It wasn't that I was trying to be harsh. It's just if the kids don't stop, we're not talking about cleaning dog muck off someone's shoe. We're talking about scraping a body off the road. Well, in the same way, Jesus says these words that sound harsh, not to be harsh, but because it's so important. And Jesus' perspective of eternity makes all the difference. Friends, as we finish, let me say this. All of us will die, whether tragically before our time of an illness or an accident or a good old age in our beds. All of us will die. But for those trusting in God's king, they will be healed because God's king is willing and able to, to heal and welcome us into the kingdom of heaven. And people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south with faith to King Jesus and they'll be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. Anyone can be welcomed. But for the one who rejects Jesus, they too will die. And then they will be left outside of the kingdom of heaven, cut off from the blessing of knowing the king, facing eternal frustration. And when we see God's perspective, it changes everything. This deep healing that these miracles point to is so much more important. And the question is, as we see Jesus' eternal perspective, does that become our perspective too? Well, as God steps in, we see his authority to heal sickness. We see his willingness to do it. But we also see his focus on the long run, on eternity, on ultimate healing. And the question I'd like to leave you with is this. Have you found King Jesus and let him heal you? Have you found him willing and able to heal you eternally? And if you have, do you have Jesus' perspective too? Are you seeking to bring others to King Jesus that he might heal them too? Let's pray together. Before we pray, just a moment to reflect maybe on Jesus' loving kindness, that wonderful picture that blows us away of his loving touch to the leper, maybe on his great power that transcends physical barriers maybe on his perspective that can be so different to ours. Whatever it is that God said to you this morning, just a moment to reflect and to respond in the quietness of our hearts. Lord God, we thank you that you stepped down into this world and showed your great power and authority over sickness and we praise you for that and we praise you too that you will heal all who come to you father we long for those who are sick now 
that there might be healing in this time in this on this earth we long that you would relieve the coronavirus and, and drive it away from this planet but father we long too for true eternal healing and we pray for those who are sick now without that hope pray that they would come to king jesus and find healing that is eternal a place at the banquet with abraham and isaac and jacob with your son the lord jesus and we pray in his name for his glory. Amen.